This week on Not Sam Wrestling, more theories about where SmackDown should be going. Full Gear was this weekend, and my guest is Natalia. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh my God, I was just checking Instagram. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Monday. What a way to start your weeks, huh? Not Sam Wrestling. I was just, I've been, you know, scrolling through Instagram. I was doing so pretty much all weekend. That's how I spend my weekends, scrolling through Instagram. And, I mean, if you follow Chalkline on Instagram, you know, the company that makes all those amazing WWE jackets. If you don't, I don't know why you don't. Because the product that they just unveil is unbelievable every single time. But... Over the weekend, they posted a photo of a jacket that they, you know, thought about. Two jackets that they thought about producing, but then I guess have decided not to. And they were both based on the No Mercy Nintendo 64 game. Well, one jacket was like an all-over print jacket. And the front and the back were completely covered in Nintendo 64 cartridges. And it was... Uh, you know, WWF Warzone or Attitude or whatever that game was. I think Warzone. It was WrestleMania 2000. It was No Mercy. For me, the N64 classics were WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy. No doubt about it. But it was all those, like, like just, you know, on repeat throughout the entire jacket. An entire jacket covered with images of amazing N64 cartridges. And anybody that grew up, like if you were born, I would say probably 95 or, I mean, if you were born in the 90s or before, I would say. Not late 90s, obviously. You remember the thrill of having those video games on a cartridge. They went from cartridge to disc to digital download, obviously. And now, like, when it comes time to get a, 2K20, I just get that code in the email, and here we go. But there was a time when you had to wait and get that cartridge, that N64 cartridge. And so they had the one jacket that was all the N64 games. And then there was another jacket that was just No Mercy. And it was The Rock, Edge, and maybe Mankind, whoever else it was. But it was basically a blown-up jacket-sized version of the cover art of No Mercy for Nintendo 64. And I was just looking at that thing like I would need it immediately. I'm already sitting there on this chalkline page. I'm obsessed. You guys know I'm obsessed. Especially the people on Patreon who watch me do like the State of Wrestling live videos and whatnot. You see me wearing these chalkline jackets all the time. I have a ton of them. But, you know, they did, uh, they were at ComplexCon, which is this giant sneaker streetwear culture convention. Uh, that they do, they do it like once a year on the on the West Coast there, but they do like, I don't know, probably, I think three or maybe four of them a year at this point in various different cities, but the big one uh, went down a week or two ago, and they went with Wrestling For Sale on Instagram, which is like the best Instagram account, the best dude for getting your retro wrestling t-shirts, uh, but he... And Chalkline got together to do this booth. And I so wish that I was on the West Coast for ComplexCon. Because they had Kevin Nash and Scott Hall signing. And the exclusives that they had for ComplexCon. My God. 
I'm trying to get my hands on some of these jackets. There was an outsider's jacket with the blood drip on it. There's a Razor Ramon jacket, with, which was yellow and black, like the Razor Ramon classic all-over T-shirt. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm checking all the time trying to get my hands on some of this exclusive Complex Con swag. And I will. I represent Chalkline to the fullest, so I will. But it's just amazing. They're the same company that made the Not Sam jumpsuit. I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter, but I have a, a, a Not Sam warm-up suit now. I think I'm going to get another one made for Hot Dog, since he's my young boy. Have Hot Dog running around in a Not Sam warm-up suit everywhere that he goes, like it's the New Japan Dojo. I think that that would be really good. I know that the jumpsuit is good. There's some people making fun of me on Instagram for it, because no matter what I post, some people are going to make fun of me on Instagram. But when I went to Ringside Fest last weekend... And I interviewed Sasha Banks. She was like, I saw that uh, Not Sam jumpsuit. Why aren't you wearing it? And I was like, you know what, Sasha Banks? Because you said something. I should have. By the way, speaking of Sasha Banks, anybody that hasn't seen it, I tweeted out uh, over the weekend. I think it was over the weekend, if not the end of last week. Uh, I interviewed Sasha Banks at Ringside Fest. And Sasha the whole time talked about uh, how good things were with her and Mr. McMahon, um, how she got a plane and how she got a jet and how she got a, a bus and all this stuff. And then she started talking about how, you know, there's too many fans in, in wrestling and she used to be a fan, but not anymore because she realized people don't get ahead. And her my favorite quote ever, she goes, bring on the cheerleaders, bring on the models, bring on the football players. She said Brock Lesnar is her role model. It was the most amazing interview. And I'm just sitting there going like, man, if Sasha Banks did what she did with me on TV every week, she would be one of the most talked about people in pro wrestling right now. I mean, it was just great. It was perfect. I really, really loved it. Um, so check out the video. It's on Ringside Collectibles' YouTube page. And while you're checking out YouTube pages, you can go to youtube.com slash notsam and... Make sure you click on uh, the podcast or any of the new newer wrestling videos because you'll see in the in the description. I was going to say subscription. There's a link to the brand new YouTube page. It's brand spanking new, only like a week, two weeks old, and I'm, uh, it's a very slow build. But within a month or two, there will be no wrestling videos at youtube.com slash notsam. They will all be available on my second new YouTube page. You can get the link on my Instagram account. You can go all over the place. Um, but definitely subscribe as soon as you get the chance because you don't want to miss any of the great content that we put out each and every week here at Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, so speaking of great content, uh, I always want to make sure that you guys... Uh, get the greatest content that you can possibly get out of this show. And sometimes that means making sure that everybody has access to it. This week on the podcast, Natalia is our guest. Uh, you'll hear Jim Norton on this interview because originally this interview aired uh, on Sirius XM on the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts show. So if you've already heard the interview, still no big whoop because now you get to download it and you get to have the audio of the interview in your pocket as long as you shall live. But if you haven't heard it, even better, because now I'm going to share it with you. Uh, we had Natalia on uh, fresh off of her match in Saudi Arabia with Lacey Evans to talk about the process, talk about uh, how it came to be, how early she found out, what it meant to her. Uh, we talk about the superstars getting stuck in Saudi Arabia. And this is what I was talking about uh, on Thursday's show. She, it, it doesn't even occur to her 
to refer to what's going on in Saudi Arabia as anything but mechanical issues. Now, sure, maybe she's doing that out of some kind of self-preservation or she was instructed or whatever any conspiracy theory says. That's possible too. But point is, I have not heard firsthand from anybody that any of these conspiracy theories are actually true. I'll keep looking. I will keep looking, but I haven't heard from anybody. However, what I did hear was Natalia's story. And to me, man, I'll tell you, and you might refer to me as a shell, and I don't care if you do, because I'm the original shell. A lot of people these days get referred to as shells, whether it's WWE shells or NWA shells or Impact shells or AEW shells. Lots of people get referred to as shells. Guess what? I'm the original shell, the OS, last professional broadcaster, scoops, hack journalist, Sam Roberts, okay? That's who you're dealing with here. So you can call me whatever you want. I'm a man of many names. But as I was watching, and I think it was the women's match that did a lot to me, but this last show, uh, uh, Super Showdown or what? I don't know. The last Saudi Arabia show. I was so enthused by the fans in the audience. The way the fans reacted, for the most part, to all of these matches, the fact that they were clearly real WWE fans in that audience. Crown Jewel is, of course, the name of the show. The fact that they were real. You probably think I was researching that as I was talking, but I really wasn't. It just popped into my head. The fact that you could tell they were real wrestling fans, it really made me realize that if you could put the politics aside, momentarily at least, and realize that there is a real net positive coming out of all these shows. I mean, there are a few net positives coming out of all these shows, but one of them is that the people of Saudi Arabia who are non-political, they're just human beings that live there, that are from there, that that's their, their homeland. They're wrestling fans, and they get to see wrestling. And they get to go to a WWE show and they get to cheer and boo and, and be a part of the whole process. And I love the idea that wrestling and WWE becomes this kind of common thread that brings us together. The WWE, and this is cheesy, but it's true. WWE creates a bond with people that you have nothing else on earth in common with. That's why it's wild to me. That for some people, wrestling has gone the way of politics, whereas uh, it, it, it actually divides people. The, 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 the wrestling community on the internet a lot of times are fighting with each other and are, are saying this is better than that. And I, we're not sort of all coming together. Some of us are. A lot of us in the Not Sam uh, Discord room at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, a lot of us in the Discord room are coming together and just appreciating this stuff. But there's a lot of like uh, battling over who you're a fan of in pro wrestling when the reality is it's just amazing that sports entertainment has created a common thread and brought people together like maybe nothing else has. It really is remarkable, and that's kind of what was in my head and one of the themes that was running through it as I talked to Natalia alongside Jim Norton. Here she is this week on Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Natalia Neidhart is coming in. Neidhart. Oh, sorry. Yeah, come on. Hi, Daughter hi. of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Did Natty I say Natalia right? 
like it's an easy um mistake. Yeah. Like because I you know I have I got a couple of names, but Natty is just you know what I usually Natty is yeah. Or some yeah some people just call you Natalie and you go or I don't Natty even know by where nature, that. Natty by choice. Right. Right. Well, welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, <laughs> Natalia Neidhart. How are you? I'm good. That, you guys are great. I've been listening to you all morning. So. <laughs> Were you stuck on a plane leaving Saudi Arabia? Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good question, This is Jim. my kind of guy. He dives right in. Um, well, I, was, I wasn't stuck on a plane for too long because we were told to get off the plane so the flight attendants basically we boarded the plane after our show flight attendants said hey there is a mechanical issue so when i'm told there's a mechanical issue on an airplane i get off yeah and i stay off until until it's fixed so yeah, yeah i mean it was it was it was a wild you know a wild a wild couple of days um yeah when you're coming off the high right because you go to to saudi arabia you have you find out I guess I'm assuming that you found out the day before because they only announced that there was going to be a women's match on this uh, show in Saudi Arabia at the press conference at the press conference yeah. 24 hours before the show they go by the way our first the first women's wrestling yeah. match ever in Saudi Arabia it's happening tomorrow and it's Natalia versus Lacey Evans. But won't they tell you guys first? We we we've been hearing rumblings since because I went to Saudi Arabia. I went to Jeddah in May with Lacey or with uh, Lexi, mm-hmm. and um, they were saying, you know, we we want to eventually have you girls wrestle. So we were hoping, you know, we were hoping for it, working towards it, and then we were there was rumblings of it again for this trip, but nothing was confirmed. It was just sort of girls. It's so like, when you went to Jeddah, it was one of those things where it's like look, nothing confirmed. All we got is a maybe. And it's not even a hard maybe. But we also understood, Lexi and I also understood, hey, just us going here to Saudi Arabia as women, just us going here as ambassadors of WWE, this is such a good step. Mm -hmm. If we get the match, we're going to be so grateful. If it doesn't happen, we're going to keep fighting for it. Did you go out at all when you were there? Like, do you, how do you feel when you leave the hotel area? Did you do anything when you were there? Um, I was doing, I was, I went to a children's hospital, which by the way, was so powerful. It was one of the most, one of the most incredible visits I've ever had. Um, that, that trip to Saudi Arabia, this trip to Riyadh, like changed my life. It was, I, the only thing I can really compare it to is when I went to uh, Rwanda. In 2013, I visited two um, refugee camps in Rwanda. And the reason why I compare it to Rwanda is because it was Rwanda for me, that, that trip with the United Nations was just life-changing. This trip to Saudi Arabia, it was just life-changing. I went to this children's hospital. We, we were busy. We had a lot of appearances, um, Lacey and myself. This children's hospital, these kids, they were inspiring, like just blew my mind how strong they were, how even though they didn't speak our language, it was that powerful human connection that we had. We, you know, just seeing Roman hug the kids and- the, They knew who you guys were, of they, course. They, some of them did, some of them didn't, but the fact that we were going in there and paying attention to them and giving, we brought them championships and we signed autographs for them and took pictures and everybody just got excited. And they, they've done, they, they've, when we go and visit kids at hospitals, it's proven that we improve their vitals just because everybody needs a little hope. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to have their spirits boosted. So the the trip it's the trip to Saudi Arabia was one of the most special, powerful so things you, of my life. So when you get there, are you once it's announced, right? You yeah. get there, 
and you just get word what right that they're like okay we're gonna announce it it's gonna happen of course in true <laughs> uh in true natty fashion i found out on twitter basically confirmed so like wwe was saying to us listen it, it's looking good it's looking good it's looking good but we can't say 100 percent. we just have to wait so I, I think they also didn't want to get our hopes up and then have, right. have them dashed yeah so and i get that so it's better to kind of be optimistic but cautiously optimistic sure so once it was announced i was like Oh, wait, I saw it on Twitter and we were like trending worldwide and I was like now I know it's like confirmed when it was con- but so when it's announced is there still part of you in your brain that goes but it's not happening for another 24 hours so this but until I hear my music in any situation with WWE until you walk through that curtain no matter where you are in the world it's things can change yeah because so, they'll cancel a match in New York like oh, it doesn't they'll cancel a match I mean things happen it's it's yeah. as we say we've said it forever I've grown up in, in the business card is subject to change so we, we were Lacey and I were so excited though we were hold, you know we were like this is going to be great but you know we, we also didn't know exactly what to expect because you have to remember in Saudi Arabia, this is the first time they've ever seen a woman's wrestling match. Right. So we Did they show them on TV there too, or no? This is the first time you live in the country, you mean? Yeah, live oh. in the country. And and they don't think they air women's wrestling on TV there either. So wow. if you want to see it, you have to kind of, you know, go to YouTube or watch it on some in some other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but their programming, I don't believe so. No. So when you you find out, is it kind of like okay? Here's how we're gonna do this because obviously, and we were talking about it, you know, earlier this morning. You guys are dressed completely differently. You got yeah. the bodysuit from head to toe and the t-shirt, t-shirt over the bodysuit. I was also wondering as I'm watching, it looked like the entrances and the theatrics were a little bit kind of subdued, like a little bit more respectful. And and was that part of it? I feel like, especially in Stephanie McMahon had said this earlier in the week. Because we're every single place we go, we're in over 180 countries around the world in 28 languages. Everywhere we go, we have to always be respectful of the culture that we're in. Even when we went to China, things are things were a little different in China because of you know their culture. So we we just felt like, and and I actually, I. I took it upon myself even more so than the company telling me I went above and beyond along with Lacey to be overly respectful because I wanted to make such a great impression in Saudi Arabia because I want more women to be able to do this because we opened doors there that were never open before. So my entrance, Lacey's entrance, I feel like, yeah, that was actually a really good observation. We, we were we were trying to be as respectful as we possibly could be, especially because we knew that you only have one chance to make a first impression. What did you do differently? Um, well, for me, because I play the role of a good girl on TV, a baby face, I didn't have to do too much that was different. But Lacey, you know, her, her role on American programming, she's a little bit more sassy. Her character is a sassy Southern belle. So she's kind of, she thinks she's better than everybody. Yeah. So she comes out, she's arrogant. She's got a snobby attitude. She's kind of scowling when she walks down the ramp. You know, she has, she has a little bit more of a provocative entrance when she's in America, but because we were here again, trying to make a great impression and also still trying to respect their culture because this is their culture yeah you know and knowing if we can make such a good impression think about how many girls are going to be able to come back here and to be able to continue to influence and open doors that had never been opened did it blow your mind because i'm assuming that one of the fears is you're going to hit that entrance stage and people are going to boo they're like we don't want this you know this isn't when you're not only getting cheered but like they literally got a this is awesome yeah. chant while the match was going on, which is a very, uh, like, you know, in my mind, American wrestling chant. Yeah. I thought that was nuts about the show was that yeah. that audience sounded like any 
American, they, European, whatever wrestling audience. Because wrestling speaks a universal language. It was just wrestling fans. And you think about it, like, again, I, you know, we're in over 180 countries, 28 languages. People, I can't tell you how many people in the lobby were telling me, your Uncle Brett the Hitman Hart, he's my favorite wrestler of all time. And I'm thinking, like, Brett's from 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, and, and re- wrestling really does speak a universal language. WWE is like, you know, we've we've been going to the Middle East for, we've gone 40 times mm-hmm. since the 90s. You think about that iconic picture of The Rock, which he tweeted and put on Instagram of The Rock and Owen mm-hmm. on a camel. That was from the Middle East. And so you think about, like, even my family, like my dad, my uncles, you know, they, they've been, they, like, they were here, you know, building this partnership for decades. So to be a woman going over there and, like, the crowd... I, in any in any venue around the world, whether it's Pisgah, Alabama or Madison Square Garden, my biggest fear, and in Saudi Arabia was my biggest fear, the fans either didn't know how to respond to us or don't care. I always and it's funny, I would talk to Arn Anderson about that. And he was like, Natty, you always have to assume, you know, that no one knows who you are. That's why when you walk through that curtain, you you have to tell the story every single night of who you are. And I always remembered Arn saying that to me that every night you have to tell the story of who you are because I'm always afraid that no one's going to know who I, I have am. that fear too and it's always confirmed <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to know or yeah. no one's going to care about me yeah. hi I'm Jim Norton oh nice hi nice <laughs> yeah. to see you yeah. what was China what was different about China China um, China was again a little bit more reserved um, because we it's it's not that they hadn't seen women perform over there. I think Eve Torres actually, Eve Torres and Alicia Fox, if I can, if I'm remembering correctly, I think they were the first women to perform over there. But again, it's not the norm. You know, it wasn't the norm for women to perform. So because their culture, in in a lot of ways, it is more reserved. We go there and we we respect their culture. And and you know, people were talking about that the costumes in Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. and how oh the girls were covered up. That's to me part of going there is we're not going to just jump in and just wear what we wear, you know, like Lacey's wearing a short skirt and stuff. Like it takes time to, to introduce There's baby steps in every single culture. Eventually you'll be able to do what you do. Well, yeah, and, you can't just jump in and but, like disrupt everything yeah. and go, okay. Cause then they won't have you back. Right. Well, and you just have to be respectful and, and that's what life is all about. You know, respect, even when a new person comes into our locker room, you know, it's takes time to build rapports with them and, and relationships. That's what life is all about. Who was the woman that you and Lacey hugged uh, after the match because after the match like there was tears it was like you know the whole thing and I think you know a lot of that was had to be you guys going like like not only did we do this but it worked and people seem to have enjoyed it people are cheering they're happy this everybody happened. was so wonderful like I, it was like a dream come true like just literally like the most perfect audience the most perfect atmosphere like everybody embraced us and I said to Lacey before we went out I said like tonight isn't about you or me it's not about WWE. This is bigger than us. Yeah. This is about transcending, you know, doing something for, for women and girls around the world that little girls or, or women or, or anybody that has a dream of what feels like it's impossible, it can be done. Especially there, right? Yeah. And yeah. and like the fact that Lacey's a mom, I said, think about your daughter. I said, you're not playing the role tonight of a, of a villain. You know, tonight we are going in there and we are competing. We right. are athletes. We are competing. And this is about respect, respect for each other, respect for this culture, respect for WWE, respect for women. But so who was that woman that you guys? Oh, in so the the, yeah. I actually have gotten asked that a lot. So, yeah, because I saw on Twitter. Everybody was like... um, afterwards. Lacey, I said to Lacey, I said um, prior to going out, I said, 
when the match is over, I said, let's walk up to the ramp. Let's walk up the ramp together. Like, you know, because we both won. We both are winning tonight. Mm-hmm. And I want us to both have that moment of walking up together. But we couldn't even get up the ramp because we saw these women that were all like in the crowd. And we just wanted to give them a hug. Mm. And they were like all holding their arms out. All these women and children and little girls. And they were like wanting to hug us. So all of a sudden we just forgot that we had to walk backstage and just started hugging everyone. Oh, they were just random people. <laughs> She was just a random woman. That's amazing. Yeah, we didn't know who she was, but then all of a sudden I found myself kissing a lady on the cheek. I was like, You just saw we're sharing this moment. Kissing (laughs) kissing everyone. So Who won the match? Um I won the match. (laughs) Tapped her out. (laughs) Um but you know it's funny because like I didn't even it it was one of those again, we were talking about this earlier and I was saying that this was that match that I had with Lacey Evans is by far the most important moment of my career because it was something that was it was for real change mm-hmm. and it was it was like it was something that was so incredibly special and not only were were we embraced by the Saudi Arabian people that were there in attendance but but by people around the world and it it was just such a like symbolic moment for for WWE and for the company for for the girls but also for people around the world that maybe never watched wrestling so when you're on a when you go on a when you're on a high that high and then, like, right after that, you're like, all right, we're getting on a plane. And that's when it's like, what do you mean we can't go home right now? Trust me, I, my, people often ask me why, like, you try, I travel so much. We're on, I, I was saying to Beth Phoenix, I was on, in one week, I was on 21 flights. Mm-hmm. There is something I hate about traveling in general. I know I do it for a living, but I cannot stand getting on a plane. And if I could drive eight hours instead of getting on a one hour flight, I would do it any day of the week. Yes. But the second that somebody says, there is a mechanical issue on this plane and there is 175 people on the plane. If a flight attendant says there's a mechanical issue on the plane, I'm 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 not going to be on the plane. I'm getting <laughs> yeah. off the plane. And even even if that means having the best damned Saudi Arabian hummus that one could have, I'm getting <laughs> off the plane and having some hummus. How long did you have to wait? Um, we we were on the plane and then they were working on trying to fix whatever was going on. And then we all deplaned and then we went to a beautiful five-star hotel and had the best damn Saudi Arabian hummus I've ever had. Um, and we just kind of waited at the hotel and we, you know, my husband and I went and worked out, we grabbed food and then we went back. You had caught, a few hours. We had a few hours and then we went back and caught the flight. So I, I'm just, I, I know it sounds kind of cold and maybe I'm just grizzled as they say in vet land, mm-hmm. um, wrestling vet land. Um, but as a veteran, I just have been on so many flights where things have been delayed and you've been stuck. And You'd rather be stuck in a five-star hotel than on a plane. That's not functioning properly. Right. So <laughs> I was like, I just want to get, I want to either get a good workout in, make sure that the plane is fixed. <laughs> it was we, a chartered flight that wasn't yeah, a commercial. Okay. It, it yeah. was a chartered flight. But um, for me, I just want to, you know, especially coming off that high, I, I yes, I wanted to get home, but we all need to make sure we get home safely. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, like, and again, I hate, I hate delays. They, they, they've ruined so many things, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we all, we have to look at the big picture. I mean, better here than you know, up there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm ne- I've never been a high flyer. Well, look, <laughs> the beauty is that uh, you don't have to go far for Raw tonight because you guys are in Long Island right. uh, for Raw tonight. Do you know? Have any idea what you're doing on Raw oh, tonight? This is a special venue. This is the same uh, Nassau Coliseum is where we had yeah. the Evolution, right? The girls' first ever all women's pay per view. So it is it is very cool. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I'm doing, but I know I'm doing something. I'm Sure. Um, I I'm just like we have such a great group of women on Raw right now, from Charlotte Flair to Becky to um, 
the Kabuki Warriors. Like, I love, love, love wrestling Asuka. Mm-hmm. Asuka, I think, is, and I'm just going to go on the record saying this, I think she is maybe the best women's wrestler, one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. See, I always wondered, like, Asuka's... Top three. Top Asuka, one, two, three. I love her. I think she's yeah. amazing, but that's because when she uh, wrestles, she appears to actually hit people very, very hard. Well, <laughs> last week when we wrestled in that tag match... Um, or was it, was it, uh, gosh, it was the week before it was Lacey and I against the Kabuki Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, so two weeks ago we wrestled in a tag match and Asuka was hitting me real hard. But you liked that. And I loved it. And I was like, <laughs> I got up and slapped her across the face and I was mm-hmm. like, this is how I play too. <laughs> Did and your husband wrestle? My husband used to wrestle. Okay. Yeah. Um, but now he's just bossy backstage. <laughs> yeah. He's a producer for WWE now. Oh, okay. He's yeah. really, really incredible as a producer, though. He's very talented. Yeah. Everybody wants to work with him. And of course, so yeah, I mean, it's just wrestling all the time for you. Always, always. I love that we have so much wrestling on TV, though. We have Mondays, we have Tuesdays with Total Divas, we, you know, we have Raw, we have Wednesdays with, you know, with two shows. Two shows. We have Fridays with SmackDown, then you have pay-per-views and, like, you, I mean, even NXT UK, I watched their last pay-per-view. Um, it was so good. Yeah. I I was just like, this. there's just so much good wrestling on right now. It's like such an exciting time to be in the industry. Yeah, there's a lot of spots to work. Yeah. Which wasn't, it's not always the case. And it's great. Like, everybody's just stepping it up. There's so many girls at NXT that I want to work. Like, Shayna and Rhea and Deanna and, gosh, I'm just trying to think, um, who else I want to work. Um, there's... There's so many girls. See Renee Young on commentary get kicked in the oh, face I did. by mistake. Yes, yes, yes. Tegan. I was going to say yeah. Tegan. I want to work. There, One there's... of the commentators got kicked in her face. Oh, that's unfortunate. Renee, yeah. Renee knew how to handle it, though. She was she was pretty strong. But there's just so, there's such a good group of girls right now that are, you know, um, it makes it an, it's an exciting time to be in the industry. Well, look, we're always going to be in Long Island at the Nassau Coliseum. So anybody that's local, get out there. If you can get tickets, get tickets. Get out there and see it live. If you're not local, watch it on uh, USA starting at 8 p.m. Welcome back, thank you Natalia, much. Thank and uh, congratulations on everything. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah. are you going to be there tonight? I'm sure I'll be out Yeah, there. come down. Yeah. Be yeah. great. Can... For sure. Okay. For sure. <laughs> it's time for us to be helpful. You know I've always got your back here on Not Sam Wrestling, and there are some other people that could have your back as well. There are some people that don't want you to tap out to the insurance company after a car crash or other injury. Some people who want to get tagged in. I'm talking about Morgan & Morgan, the personal injury law firm that's for the people, not for the powerful. You see, they're a family-owned firm that never represents insurance companies or corporations. Morgan & Morgan will grapple with the biggest, baddest heels so you can recover in time for the next pay-per-view. You know why I like Morgan & Morgan? Because I'm reading the ad copy, and I feel like they get us. You know, you get ad copy from from companies that are just like, okay, this is the ad copy for all the podcasts. Morgan and Morgan are like, we like wrestling. We want to talk to wrestling fans, and we want wrestling fans to know that we want to protect wrestling fans, that we have the wrestling fans' best interest in mind. I'm a wrestling fan. I like it when people have my best interest in mind. I like this Morgan and Morgan. You see, on average... People who hire an attorney after a crash, they recover three times more than those who don't. With 500 attorney's offices in Florida, New York, and across America, Morgan & Morgan can get you the compensation you deserve. 
If you've been injured in a car crash, slip and fall, or on the job, they may be able to help. Morgan & Morgan has helped thousands of people recover billions of dollars. Best of all, hiring them is 100% free unless you win. One time I was driving down the West Side Highway, I got clipped by a bus. It was embarrassing. I had to pull over on the West Side Highway. I had to check myself for bodily injury. I had to sit there and try to get a tow truck to come help me because I don't know how to change a tire. They, they tow truck never came. Pete Dominic from Sirius XM, thank God, saw me stranded on the side of the road. He helped me change the tire. Nobody helped me uh, pay for that, that tire. I had to replace it out of my pocket. Nobody helped me with the damages to the car. Nobody helped me with my humiliation of having to sit there and be rescued on the side of the road by Pete Dominic. You know why? I didn't have anybody representing me. I wish, I wish I had known about Morgan & Morgan way back then. For a free, free, free case review, visit forthepeople.com forward slash not Sam or dial pound law, L-A-W on your cell phone. That's pound 529. Forthepeople.com forward slash not Sam for a free, no obligation consultation. There's only one Morgan and Morgan. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. State of Wrestling time, baby. First of all, thanks to Natalia. You know, right after Natalia was in studio, I had Bill Makina, Bill Mikina from Mattel. Uh, he came up to the studio. Because uh, he was in town, Ringside Fest was around the same time, and he had the new uh, Natalia and Jim the Anvil Nightheart action figures with him, and got to show Natalia for the first time in person. She had seen, I think she had seen her figure before, which the likeness is like unreal. I got to see it in person. The next uh, Natalia Elite figure that's coming out, the likeness is crazy. I mean, forget about the removable cat ears. Forget about all the detail on the outfit. The face scan is out of this world. Looks exactly like her. Uh, but what I'm really excited about is the Jim the Anvil Nightheart figure that is coming out that he had premiered at Ringside Fest and showed Natalia in person for the first time. And she was talking about how much uh, the Anvil would have loved to have it. She said that uh, the Anvil used to get uh, boxes of figures when they would come out, like Jim the Anvil Nightheart figures would come out and he'd get boxes of them and he would open all of them up and just put them all around the house. He'd put them in the cat dish, he'd put them on the shelf, he'd put them next to the TV and his wife would be yelling at him going like, we could give these away to people, what are you doing? We could give them as gifts. He'd go, nope, these are all staying in the Nightheart household, which I love. And the figure's cool because it's like a 97 Heart Foundation era Jim the Anvil Nightheart. They've made a couple, Mattel has. They made one from the early 80s, the black and blue Heart Foundation figure. They made, uh, I think they made an anvil, one of those. They made uh, a classic Heart Foundation, you know, SummerSlam 90 era Heart Foundation Jin the Anvil Night Heart figure. But now they're doing a Heart Foundation era figure, and he comes with the Anvil Heart Foundation leather jacket, which Natty said he thought was the coolest thing ever. Uh, which is awesome because if you collect Mattel's Elite line, then over the years, I mean, and this is, you have to have been collecting for over five years now to have gotten all these when they came out, unless you're just going on eBay and grabbing them now, which is a possibility too. They will now have in their Heart Foundation jackets, Brett, Anvil, Bulldog, and Pillman, 
all from the era, all accurate, all in their heart foundation jackets and vests, as is the case with Pillman and Bulldog. Um, so, you know, obviously we're missing one very important member, but four out of five ain't bad, right? So I'm pretty excited about that. And I, I think I have some video footage of that as well. So I'll, I'll post that up on the uh, social media platforms, okay? Uh, let's go chronologically uh, in what's been going down since we last left you on Thursday's Thursday Not Sam Thursday podcast. Uh, we'll start with SmackDown. So a couple of things. Number one, I don't see how anybody could trust Shorty G, okay? Not only is he wearing that ridiculous outfit trying to convince everybody. I don't know. I mean, do people think that Olympic wrestlers wear basketball uniforms when they wrestle? He's never been a basketball player. I'm sure he's terrible at basketball, but he's trying to convince everybody that he's so athletic he can play basketball. Now, we put that aside to find out this guy, he's a suck-up and a snitch. What, Roman Reigns? And I tweeted about it because I had to. Roman Reigns walks in the building and immediately, immediately, Chad Gable, Shorty G, has to make his nose brown and let the big dog know, oh, you should have heard what Baron Corbin was saying about you. It's embarrassing for an adult to be seeking approval on that level. It's embarrassing. Um, I had a lot of thoughts uh, about what we were talking about. So I got some feedback, some good, some bad, about the proposition that I gave you guys on the last show. That I've, Right now, I believe that SmackDown, in my very, very biased opinion, I personally like the pacing of SmackDown better than any other wrestling show on TV right now. I like the pacing of SmackDown. I feel like SmackDown gets closer to being that show where every segment is telling a story. It does. It's not there yet. But I, I think that SmackDown is a little more story-rich than any of the other wrestling shows. You know, the other wrestling shows are still story-rich, but I think that SmackDown, and it's building. The stories, I feel like, are building on SmackDown. I think wrestling needs that soap opera element. Maybe it doesn't need to feel like a soap opera, like a parody of a soap opera. Maybe it needs to just feel like I'm watching dramatic television, but I feel like wrestling needs that, okay? Um, and part of that is the is the story going on between Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn. Now, we look at what happened on SmackDown, and of course, The Fiend doesn't come to the ring. Apparently, he did uh, after the show. The Fiend uh, has been doing, both on Raw and SmackDown, a lot of stuff after the show goes off the air. So if WWE is coming to your town and you love The Fiend, I think on Raw uh, on Monday in Long Island, The Fiend did a cage match with Seth Rollins. And I can't remember who he beat up on SmackDown. It was either Cesaro or the OC. Or somebody, I don't know. Um, but that's to say, I no, who cares? That's to say, uh, if you see these, if you see WWE doing these shows in your town, you want to see The Fiend, you'll get to see more of The Fiend. But they had The Fiend backstage in Daniel Bryan's uh, locker room area, interrupting the conversation between Bryan and Sami Zayn and turning the whole locker room red. Now, I think that this is very interesting. I love Daniel Bryan and The Fiend getting together uh, for a couple of reasons, okay? So, first of all, I actually think it's a cool aesthetic that the locker room turned red. I like it better than when the ringside area turns red. I don't love when the ringside area turns red during his matches, but it's kind of growing on me. 
Uh, I hate to say it. I never thought it would, but it is kind of growing on me because it makes me feel like when you see his mask without the red light on, it actually makes it more special. Uh, all that said, um, I think that that the Brian Fiend matchup is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, because Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt had one of Bray Wyatt's best matches at Royal Rumble uh, several years ago at this point. It was a match that put Bray Wyatt on the map. Unfortunately, WrestleMania took him off that map that we were talking about, but in the moment, it put Bray Wyatt on the map, in my opinion. And it opened up a lot of people's eyes to this person really could be somebody like this. This is big. This is big. Again, it goes away, unfortunately, and the whole, but, but whatever. We're back to it now. We're back to where we should be with Bray Wyatt. So I think that, um, Remembering that story, first that match, right? I think that remembering that story of when for a minute Daniel Bryan was in the Wyatt family only to turn on them, you know, let's remember that. Speaking of Mattel action figures, there's a Mattel figure where Daniel Bryan comes with a gas station attendant outfit, so it looks like he's part of the Wyatt family. Let's not act like that didn't happen in Bray Wyatt's past. The Fiend, while it's the next evolution of Bray Wyatt, is not a new character. It's not somebody that that, that we are now disavowing that Bray Wyatt ever existed. The Fiend Bray Wyatt is simply the next step in the storytelling in, in in the canon of Bray Wyatt. Everything that Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family did is still canon. Everything that Braun Strowman did in the Wyatt family is still canon. It's all still part of the storyline, in my opinion. So I, I think there's all that. I think even more than any of this, what really makes this very, very interesting is that Daniel Bryan is in this period where he spent a long time being arguably, and I don't even know if you could argue it, the top heel on SmackDown, meaning I don't even know if you could argue against it. He spent a long time being the top heel on SmackDown and being very, very good, very, very good at being a heel. Now, he seems to be a babyface, but he hasn't quite explained why. He hasn't quite explained what makes him a good guy. So the transition, in my opinion, isn't complete yet. As well... He's cozying up with Sami Zayn. He's cozying up with Nakamura in that camp. Sami Zayn, Nakamura, confirmed bad guys. Daniel Bryan, while he hasn't sided with them, hasn't turned them away either. So it leaves us thinking, what is Daniel Bryan thinking here? What are his motivations? Now, The Fiend, on the other hand, it's clear that maybe when he first showed up on the scene, maybe in his match with Finn Balor, he was a bad guy. But if you listen to the reaction he got when he won the world title, if you listen to what people are saying about The Fiend, if you listen to all this stuff, The Fiend is a hero of the modern era. The Fiend is somebody that people are going to buildings and cheering. The Fiend is somebody that people do not want to see lose. They want to see him win. A true bad guy, the audience wants to see him lose. The Fiend, nobody wants to see The Fiend lose. People wanted to see Seth Rollins get beaten up by The Fiend. You know, I think that that puts the the old uh, 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 mythos of babyface versus heel, it turns it on its head. So I don't think we can sit here and define. I think this storyline is going to determine for us who's who. You could easily sit there and tell me that when The Fiend and Daniel Bryan finally meet, be it at Survivor Series or any other pay-per-view, that it will be The Fiend is the good guy and Daniel Bryan is the bad guy. You could have me believe that Daniel Bryan will side 
with Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn and still take on The Fiend as a good guy. You could also have me believe that Daniel Bryan will not side with Shinsuke or Sami Zayn and will take on The Fiend as a good guy, The Fiend being the bad guy who would turn into the good guy. Both scenarios work. The reason I like The Fiend as the opponent for Daniel Bryan is because it doesn't tip the hat one way or another to any which way Daniel Bryan is going. And I think that there's only a few opponents that you could do that with. You know, most opponents, when you kind of figure out, you know, where the storyline is going, you can kind of figure out where the individual is going, where the performer is going. In this, we can figure out where the storyline is going. The storyline is clearly going with The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan. We do, that doesn't really tip its hat to where Daniel Bryan is going as a character. And I love that. Now, I've got my own ideas of where Daniel Bryan should go as a character. Um, I was trying to explain to Hot Dog, my young boy, about my theory behind Braun Strowman, I mean, I'm sorry, behind Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns, and Kofi Kingston as a faction. And he came to me the same way some of you came to me in comments on YouTube, in my email box, saying, why would why would Baron Corbin be the leader? Why would Roman Reigns be Baron Corbin's henchman? And I, I thought I made that clear. But if Roman Reigns were to turn heel, the only way he would really be a true heel and somebody that people wanted to lose is if he wasn't, if he, if, if he were the leader as a heel, if he were a bad guy, leader of a faction, he would come across as badass, he would come across as not caring, he would come across as in charge, he would come across in a way that is attractive to a lot of fans. If Roman Reigns turned heel and then just followed the orders of Baron Corbin, he would not come across as attractive to any fans. He would be a bad guy wrestler, which is what we want out of Roman Reigns if he's going to do this, right? So I still firmly think that Roman Reigns should turn and should follow the lead of Baron Corbin. I think it should end in a New Day versus Roman Reigns-Baron Corbin match. I think that that should result in Kofi Kingston turning on Big E and joining the the the, the royal family of Baron Corbin, the King Corbin, with Roman Reigns and Kofi Kingston by his side. You know, I worry when I see the New Day winning the Tag Team Championship that the idea that Kofi Kingston should be a heel might be starting to slip away, maybe because, well, if Xavier Woods isn't going to be around, uh, we're not ready to break up the New Day. I also see there's rumors floating around that uh, the power of positivity New Day is is being uh, copyrighted for a podcast that there are rumors that the New Day might be the next uh, WWE podcast, in which case now we've got bigger investments and can't break up the New Day. That makes my theory very, very tough. But regardless of all that, I don't work in the business side of WWE. I'm just a fan who sits there going like, you know what I want to see on my TV? Kofi Kingston turn on Big E and join Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns in a super heel faction. And you go, well, who would they face up against? And I will tell you this. I think Daniel Bryan should join Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn. And I think that they should be babyfaces. I think Daniel Bryan should join Shinsuke and Sami Zayn, and I think they become good guys. And what you're left with is a good guy faction of Shinsuke Nakamura, Daniel Bryan, and Sami Zayn versus Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns, and Kofi Kingston. 
Ostensibly, what you're left with is wrestling as the good guys versus WWE as the bad guys. What you're left with is the attitude that people have anyway. What you're left with is a good guy trio that has worked their ass off to get into the position that they're in, taking on three guys who represent the machine. And Kofi Kingston needs to embrace the fact that he is part of the machine. And maybe that's why he lost to Brock Lesnar so quickly was because he wasn't embracing the fact that he was part of the machine. But you've got a, a, a man versus machine rivalry if you do Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, and Nakamura as good guys versus Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, and Kofi Kingston as bad guys. And you could leave, I mean, theoretically you could leave Sami Zayn in the role as manager and have somebody else join them. But I don't see why. I mean, let him be the, the, the mouthpiece of it. But Daniel Bryan is super entertaining on the microphone as well. So let Sami Zayn be Sami Zayn. Sami, I mean, look, Al Generico was an amazing good guy. Amazing. Sami Zayn was amazingly loved in NXT. And when he came in and answered the John Cena mystery challenge for the United States Wimbledon Championship, he got a huge reaction all those years ago. Sami Zayn is a good, good guy. He's a good, bad guy too. But I think Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, Nakamura could be a great top good guy faction. And I think they could be amazing to go to war with Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, and Kofi Kingston. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be really, really something special. Um, let's move on. Of course, uh, AEW put on a pay-per-view over the weekend, Full Gear, uh, which I guess a lot of people were watching. Look, I thought it was a really good show. I've got my own, uh, hardcore biases and it makes it so that, you know, I see things like, I think most people can watch, uh, the AEW pay-per-view and just enjoy it. You know what I mean? And that's how really you're supposed to be watching it. But my own biases make it so that I see, I see everything that happens on these pay-per-views, where all the AEW fans love it, but if WWE ever did it, it would be like hell has frozen over. So there were plenty of instances of that on the pay-per-view that I saw on Saturday, but I don't want to get into it. I don't want to be a hater. You know, that's not why we're here. That's not the point of this whole thing. Um, I thought it was a really good pay-per-view, though. I thought it was, uh, uh, it moved very well. It told a lot of stories um, I thought what a lot of people thought. I thought the MJF thing seemed like it came out of nowhere. Now, look, I don't watch the TV as regularly as I should. I don't watch every hour of AEW TV. So I'm not the best judge in the world for any of it. Um, but I think uh, anything that puts Joey Janela on pay-per-view, I'm, I'm going to have a warm place in my heart for. Any place that gives Joey Janela a chance to shine the way they're doing, and I wish he'd won that match, but... You know I love Joey Janela. Had him on the podcast, uh, I don't know, was it the beginning of this year? It was months ago anyway. Um, but yeah, I thought it was great. I think that the big, uh, great to see Joey Janela on pay-per-view. Anybody that puts Soul Train Jones in the position to shine that he's being put in. By the way, you know, you think I'll ever get that sort of tip of the hat for, for making Lonely Virgil a thing and really starting this whole thing? I don't know. I don't know. Uh... And, of course, the most controversial thing that happened at Full Gear was the Lights Out match that went full-on deathmatch. Uh, Kenny Omega versus uh, John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose. 
Uh, I mean, look, I grew up watching death matches. Uh, I was a tape trader. My death match collection was big. That was a genre that I really liked. I never loved the all Japan stuff. I didn't like the super wrestling-y Japanese stuff. I always liked garbage wrestling. I always liked deathmatch stuff. I liked Big Japan Piranha Deathmatch. I liked the match, I think it was FMW, when uh, Mike Awesome was in this, the Gladiator was in the six-man deathmatch tag in the middle of a pool. I thought it was great. Exploding ring matches, exploding cage matches. I got the best of Hayabusa. I got Onita to sign my copy of the Best of the Explosion Deathmatches Volume 2. You know, IWA King of the Deathmatch 95, Kawasaki Dream. All of it. All of it. The whole deathmatch culture. There's a reason why I had Matt Tremont on the show not too long ago. It's because I, I love deathmatch wrestling. And I watch it, and of course, you go like, oh, these people shouldn't be doing this to themselves. This is terrible. This is awful. And, I, you know, would I want my son to be a deathmatch wrestler? No, no. I would not enjoy that if my son was a deathmatch wrestler. Would I want my wife to be a deathmatch wrestler? No, I'd be super bummed out to see Jess. I wouldn't even want Jess to be like Candice LeRae in PWG taking thumbtack boots to the face. I'd be super bummed out. But then again, I probably wouldn't want Jess to be in the ring with Shayna Baszler or uh, uh, Io Shirai either. I'd be bummed out about that. I don't want to see the people I love uh, getting beat up on television. It's not appealing to me. So I get that. But I'm not in love with Kenny Omega or John Moxley. I'm not in love with Matt Tremont. He's a real good guy. I like him. I don't know Kenny Omega. I've heard he's a great guy. John Moxley's a good dude. I like those people. But they like deathmatch wrestling. So I'm going to support them in what they like, especially because... I happen to like it too. Hardcore deathmatch wrestling, that is. I was an ECW kid. I loved the Sabu-Terry Funk barbed wire match. You know, where they end up getting caught together in the barbed wire to the point where the title has to change and they have to be cut out of the wire. Sabu tore his bicep in the middle of the match, had to tape it back on as he was wrestling. I love that stuff. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm crazy. But in this... uh, uh, lights out death match. They, uh, they pulled out all the stops. They had barbed wire. They had, uh, you know, glass, which is, you know, probably wrestling glass. They had chains and they had something that has become a staple of, uh, American death match wrestling, maybe Japanese too, but I've seen it a lot in like, you know, the East coast, Philadelphia, Delaware, let's call it what it is. Delaware death match wrestling scene which is, and we talked about it with Matt Tremont when he was on the show, the barbed wire trampoline setup, the barbed wire net that is set up that both Kenny Omega uh, and uh, John Moxley were sent careening into. Um, I loved the inclusion of it. I liked having the mat get pulled up, a la Gargano Ciampa. Let's remember that happened there first. Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was great. I was surprised that there were a lot of people that were very, very critical of it. Part of me did think, I wonder how this is going to play in 2019. You know, part of me did think, uh, I don't know if people are into this stuff anymore. You know, we we talk about uh, people and their sensitivities and people not wanting certain amounts of violence and people, you know, all this stuff. And I did think to myself, self, is this going to play to the masses in 2019 and and they took a risk man they took a risk with that match because 
you theoretically have people tuning in to this paper. If, if your pay-per-view is successful, if AEW is putting on a successful pay-per-view, you have people tuning in that haven't tuned into wrestling in a while, that maybe haven't bought a, a wrestling pay-per-view in a while. And when they tune in, they're going to see this, and it's very, very different. And they're either going to go, oh, this is great, this is different, or they're going to go, like, I don't want to watch this blood and gut stuff. This is crazy, you know? I don't think EC- ECW in 1997 could not have gotten away with doing on pay-per-view what Mox and uh, Omega did on pay-per-view in 2019. ECW would never have been able to get away with doing that. But they were under a microscope because the word extreme was in their name and, you know, AEW not so much. I did see, like, somebody trying to throw AEW under the bus. They're like, look, I got this picture from the audience of the judges in the championship match and they're not even writing anything down. It's like, okay, guy, at some point we got to remember this is wrestling. Uh, Speaking of wrestling, we got a big week of wrestling coming up and I only say that because basically all weeks of wrestling are big. Although Raw is pre-taped, uh, I think I've... No, I haven't avoided all the spoilers. I know there is a run-in on Raw this week, but I won't spoil it for you. I only spoil things after they happen, which isn't really a spoiler. It's just a report. But, um, yeah, I won't spoil anything. I've gotten one Raw spoiler, we, and it's a good one. Uh, but I do always kind of, you know... Look, SmackDown was pre-taped as well. Technically, SmackDown wasn't live this week. It was in the UK, so it was taped in the afternoon. And it still did slightly better ratings than last week's SmackDown. So, you know, I don't know how much it will affect viewership for Raw that is pre-taped, but I always feel like, I don't know, especially when it's a few days pre-taped. But, of course, I'm going to watch. I think that all that's really been announced is that they're going to further the Lana, Rusev, Bobby Lashley storyline which I think we could, you know, take for granted that was going to happen. I just wish they would just spell this out a little bit. I feel like every week we get thrown uh, new details about this love triangle, and it doesn't feel like a puzzle is coming together. It just feels like more and more of a mess. So hopefully at some point we will get pieces that feel like they fit together and weave an actual narrative. Whether you like it or not, as long as you can make sense of a story, I think we're going in the right direction. But right now, I don't know what the story is. Um, On SmackDown, speaking of stuff coming up, Survivor Series is in now less than two weeks as of the time of this podcast. Um, And we do know there is going to be, it sounded to me like a Raw versus SmackDown women's Survivor Series match. Sasha Banks, Dana Brooke, Carmella qualified three of the five qualified for the SmackDown women's team. Of course, Carmella and Dana Brooke beating fire and desire on SmackDown. So I don't know who is going to join uh, those three. You have to imagine that the Kabuki warriors will be on Raw's team. Um, I, I don't know when Nia Jax is supposed to be coming back, but I think that she would be a great addition. She would be a great, For whatever show she's going to be on, I would love to see her be a surprise entrant on one of these two teams and just have her dominate everything because I'm very much looking forward to Nia Jax returning. Um, But I I do think it's a step in the right direction in the sense that we're remembering it's not just Raw and SmackDown versus NXT. It's Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. Um, But, okay, so this one is Raw versus SmackDown. I, I don't know what that means for NXT. Maybe there'll be one that's Raw versus NXT or SmackDown versus NXT. I don't know. But 
This one doesn't strike me as a triple threat. And you can't do every single match one-on-one-on-one or, you know, team versus team versus team. Not every match can be triple threat rules. But, you know, it's almost like you wonder if they should add NXT members to the Raw team and the SmackDown team and whoever wins, NXT gets credit for that. I don't know. I don't know. It seems it seems like it's complicated with three brands, but I'm anxious to see how those stories are told. Uh, real quick, let's go to the email. It's notsamwrestling at gmail.com uh, or on Patreon. If you send a message on Patreon, I will read those questions too. Um, so we'll start with Patreon uh, like we always do, like we always do at this time. Um Let's see. Uh, Joey on Patreon says, subject Meltzer. How can Dave Meltzer be a, quote, journalist when he's a character on Being the Elite? Also, he never goes to any WWE events and is at many AEW events and has even has moves named after him. I mean, it would be like you covering AEW, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I'm. look, no. I would never consider myself a journalist. First and foremost, I don't do anything with any kind of journalistic integrity at all, except get scoops. But I get lots of scoops. Um, But look, I mean, Dave Meltzer is in an interesting position because he has been a figure in this world for 30 years, if not more. So the people who are wrestlers now that grew up as fans grew up, you know, there are big pro wrestlers Right now, that grew up, I would imagine the Young Bucks grew up reading The Observer. Like, it was something that fueled them as fans, so now that they get to be wrestlers, you know, they probably think it's fun to incorporate that stuff with them. Now, I guess that, yes, Dave Meltzer probably should technically, as a journalist, excuse himself from all that. um, Because it does cloud him, but, you know, I mean, I, I think the thing about wrestling, as with most journalism, is whether anybody will admit it or not. They've all got biases. You just have to know what it is. Every journalist has a bias. You know, I think the people on Fox News, you know, have biases, but they'll still claim to be journalists. The people on CNN have biases and will still claim to be journalists. So, you know, I I, I think journalism is tricky like that. The more the journalist becomes a household name, the more it is difficult to not have a bias one way or the other for whatever it is that we're talking about. Uh, David writes in, to notsamwrestling at gmail.com, War Games is all about strategy. What better strategy could Shayna Baszler have than making the final member of her team Dakota Kai? From David McMahon, real name, no gimmicks. Two trailer park girls go around the outside. Um, Yeah, I mean, Dakota Kai would have to develop a pretty serious attitude. And, I mean, it would be something... But the idea is that Team Rhea Ripley turned down Dakota Kai because she sucks. So that would be the risk, that you would have to ensure that Dakota Kai definitely doesn't suck. If she doesn't suck, you might be onto something. But, you know, it's not like... And, and it, it would work. I wouldn't be against it. Um, but I don't think it's a... Smash! Like, I don't think it's it's a definite thing that would be awesome. Who is on the women's war games match right now? Uh, Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and TBA. Look, it's not a bad idea. 
Because who else are you going to add on to to that team? I mean, let's go right now to the roster page. And let's see. If not Dakota Kai, who do you add on to that women's war games match? Unless it's, you know, I mean, Tony Storm is a good guy. I think Tony Storm would be a, an amazing pick as a surprise war games participant. But I don't think she's a bad guy. I think she's a good guy, you know. Um, it, you know, I, you haven't really introduced Deanna Peruzzo or Chelsea on TV yet, so I don't know if it would be one of those two. It's amazing, though, that, that that's how deep the roster goes, that there's, like, good women that you haven't even announced on television yet. You can say Tainara is, is, is a pick. You know, Zaya Lee is a pick, but, again, I think that Tainara... She's on TV, but probably needs a little bit more of an attitude and presence. And Zaylee, you know, is in the same boat as as Chelsea and uh, Diana Peruzzo in the sense that you know they need the TV time before people go, "Whoa, that's who it is." So yeah, I, I don't think Dakota Kai is a bad idea by any stretch, but I kind of like the idea of Dakota Kai's story playing out not within the next two weeks. You know, I, I like the idea of Dakota Kai maybe Dakota Kai maybe maybe turning heel at war games, maybe accompanying them at war games and turning heel, or maybe maybe it's something that we have after war games. You know, that's when the turn happens. I'd like to see a, a, a bigger build than maybe just two weeks. But, like I said, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea at all. Thanks for joining us again this week here on Not Sam Wrestling. Love doing this. Love doing this with you. We'll see you again next week. Well, Thursday. For Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. Make sure you're subscribed. You're going to love it. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.